All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation. My name is David Guadrelli. That is Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass, and of course, our intern, Lachlan Irvin. All four of us are here today. Uh, not in studio, another remote show, and every time we do a remote show, we get people in the comments being like, oh, tough times for the industry. Uh, they can't afford the studio. We're still paying for the studio. So maybe it's our fault that we're not there and we really should be making good use of that studio. But Grady and Lachlan are using the studio. So people are still using it. But when we do a remote show, there's good reasons for it. Yesterday, obviously, I missed the show. Had a bit of a personal matter. Um, my dog needed surgery. He's got his surgery. He's got his little cone on now. Routine surgery for a puppy. Don't worry, folks. He's fine. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm at home today, nursing the dog back to health. He's uh, a little off still, but he'll uh, he'll improve. And I think we're going to be back in studio tomorrow when it's really cold. Like, it's going to be cold out there. So the fact that we're brave in the cold, I don't know, Armin. I know everybody else that listens to this show also probably goes to work and probably has to be outside, a lot of them. Uh, I think we can handle it. I think we can handle the drive uh, to the studio. But Harmon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I was going to say, if it snows, I don't know if my car can handle the drive uh, downtown. It's a rear wheel drive. It's awful in the snow. Like, I, I don't even bother if it snows. So, fingers crossed that we don't get any um, um, any snowfall. 
So you heard it here first, folks. We might have another remote episode. <laughs> um, we should also mention Monday. Uh, Monday will be a remote episode. That's just because we share the studio with our friends over at Sakaris and Price uh, and Rinkwide Vancouver. And, of course, the Canucks play at 10 a.m. on Monday. So we'll talk about that more tomorrow and whatnot. But uh, just a heads up that we will be remote on Monday. But, no, everything is fine, folks. We're still going to get back in our studio. We love that studio. Uh, Harmon, I should ask. I only got to watch about 15 minutes. But, uh how was uh, how was the show yesterday with Earth? It was fun. Uh, great chemistry. I didn't get to your Kuzmenko note till the end of the show, which no. I regret, but I still got it in there. And um, I basically just said, wake me up when you can do it consistently. And didn't you edit the, um, the stanchies? Did you not see Cody's big section where he highlighted a major Kuzmenko defensive flaw that led to a major chance against it as an example of why talking and the coaching staff doesn't um uh trust him i think my argument got lost in translation here because i i'm not saying that they should trust him i'm not saying anything like that i'm just pointing out that the dude needs to hustle that needs to be the bare minimum that's like that's your structure accountability habits we talked about how that was the bare minimum for this team the bare minimum is to move your feet on the forecheck and i didn't get a chance to say this yesterday tuesday night he was moving his feet he was hustling on the forecheck He's not fantastic at forechecking, but he was hustling. He was moving his feet. That was all I was asking. That was my whole take was move your feet. That was it. Yeah. And look, he did it for one game, but I'll tell you this. He's not going to do it consistently. And what I, what I said um, on the last show too, not the last show with you was that even if Kuzmenko is hustling consistently, there just aren't enough games where he's actually making an impact on um, on the forecheck. And I think where we disagreed was just, I'm at the point now where I'm accepting that he's never going to be a Rick Tockett player. He's never going to be able to fit in this forecheck style. Uh, and I've just come to terms with it. That's fair. You've come to terms with it. I love it. That's very, very valid. Uh, before we go any further, we need to mention that today's episode of Canucks Conversation is brought to you by our friends over at Greta. Harm, we need to talk about Greta. They sent us these lovely play cards here. These play cards. I don't know. Maybe we'll be giving them out. Maybe we'll be using them. I don't know what's going to happen with them. But uh, in February, we've been talking about it a lot. We're going to have a watch party at Greta. But you don't need to wait until then to go to Greta. Because Greta is the place to be for pre-post game. Go watch the Canucks games. Go play some games. Go look at that. Arcade, bar, street food. Go check out Greta Bar, YVR. It's a great place to be. Harm, you've been to Greta. Tell me about Greta. How did you like it? Because I was away for the first watch party. It's fun. I, um, I've i been there a couple times, once after a Canucks game to hang out with friends, and it's great because it's within walking distance of the rink. Uh, so you certainly have a few people that head over there. And I went on, like, it wasn't a Friday or Saturday where it's usually busy, and yet there were still people um, there, which was a ton of fun. And the other time was... A while ago where I just went with friends on on a Friday night and it was a ton of fun because you play some arcade games they have air hockey and stuff on the upper level and there's also a dance floor at the bottom level so you've got a bit of everything if you're somebody that just wants to kind of chill out vibe play games you got that but also if you're looking to get turned up um and have time they, they got the dance floor and man it gets packed it gets rocking on a Friday or Saturday so always a ton of fun that's right. If you're looking to riz it up with you and your friends, as our friend Wyatt Arm oh, would don't say. say that. <laughs> don't say that ever again. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Check out our friends over at 
Greta. Okay, uh, Canucks are in Pittsburgh tonight, Harmon. Thatcher Demko starts. Ian Cole gets back in the lineup. Noah Juleson comes out. As expected, it was a maintenance day for Cole. We didn't even talk about this much, um, but they, they chose to go the maintenance route with Cole on Tuesday. I know we talked about it with Jeff Patterson, but I like that. I really, really like that. And I like that Noah Juleson uh, got his shot and that presumably he's going to get it. Like, I'm, cu- I'm more curious, and I know it part- partially at least depends on how the game tonight goes, but like, I'm curious if it's going to be a rotation, like if it's going to be Juleson and Cole, or if they'll throw in Myers or who it'll be. Like, I'm, I'm just curious what we'll see. Well, J-Pop brought up a great point that Myers needs to play all 82 to hit a thousand games at the end of the season. So I'd be surprised if he's part of the rotation, even though on merit, he probably should be especially given his age and I think you'd prefer to keep him as fresh as possible. But for now, it, it probably is mostly just going to be Cole. And I think Zdorov's a great example where he's a little bit banged up day to day. You can give him the night off, which honestly happens a lot for NHL players where they're hurt enough to miss a game, game or two. And yet they still play. It happens a ton across the NHL. So it's, a luxury to have Juleson in this capacity where it's not just load management in the sense of, Oh, a guy's totally healthy and you're still take, taking him out of the, out of the lineup. Um, there are a lot of occasions where guys are playing through bump, bumps and bruises. And this gives you a chance to not have to force those players to, uh, to play through that, which is, um, is awesome. And, and honestly, credit to the coaching staff. Uh, I know we've referenced earlier, Juleson's development, how much he's improved after a rough start to the season. They saw something there when, I mean, I didn't see it early in the season where I was, I I just didn't think he had the hockey IQ. I thought he was a little bit too mistake prone with the puck, Uh, but but credit to talk it foot, the coaching staff as a whole, because they clearly identified that, okay, if we make a couple of tweaks to how we ask him to play with the puck and within our system, that he can cut down on those mistakes. And if he cuts down on those mistakes, he has enough five on five value and on the PK to where we can trust him to be an everyday defenseman, which before this season, he's never been. So great development story, a ton of credit across the board. Yeah, this is kind of off topic, but it's also kind of on topic. I was just looking back at the career of Adam Foote, like the, the career that Adam Foote put together. And it really puts into perspective, like when you look at his point totals, it doesn't jump off the page or anything like that, but when you look at Adam Foote, the player, and you understand why, you know, gold medals, all this, all this sort of stuff, all these accolades that he's had, why people are like, this guy deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. With those numbers, you would think, yeah, I don't know, you can't be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But scoring was down in his era, obviously. And he was the pinnacle of, like, defensive stay-at-home defenseman. If you go look, in par- partially, part of the reason I know this, if you go back and look at his ratings in like the old NHL games on like GameCube, <laughs> the dude's defense was like off the charts. So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. I was looking back at the career of Adam Foote and man, he had a hell of a career. And again, you know, he gets all the credit a lot of times uh, for turning Noah Juleson around. And, and look, we know this to be true to some extent as well. Just, you know, the way that they've simplified Juleson's game, right? And Talkett spoke about that a lot. He's given the credit to Foot as well about how they've worked to simplify Juleson's game. And that the proof's in the pudding there. Like, you can see him, Myers, just slowing down and taking an extra second to make the right play rather than just rushing to make a play. And I think, look, Adam Foot deserves a lot of credit for his career and also for his work uh, with Noah Juleson 
and the Canucks defense. Okay, uh, anything else about Pittsburgh that you wanted to get to? Look, this is a team that uh, isn't what a lot of us expected them to be. They've kind of stumbled out of the gate here as we approach the halfway point in the season. I I don't know what to expect tonight. The Canucks are underdogs, which we'll get to in our Betway Bet of the Day. But I like the Canucks here. Like, I I think the Canucks are rolling. And what do you think of Pittsburgh tonight, the matchup? Yeah, well, Pittsburgh's found traction lately. And and I still think they're a really good even strength team. Basically, the only reason they're not in a playoff spot right now, uh, and they're only barely out, and they do have games in hand, so they might be in based off point percentage. I I haven't checked yet. But the only reason they, they haven't been in a playoff spot right now is because their power play has been awful 30 seconds in the NHL which is baffling considering how much high-end talent they have with Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Carlson so if and when that starts to get rolling again this could very well be a playoff team and in fact if you look at the athletics projection model courtesy of our pal Don Mishijin they have Pittsburgh yeah, still at 81% playoff odds. So to me, this is still a quality side. They're, they did an interesting makeover in the offseason where they had one of the worst bottom six groups in the NHL. They, they don't have a ton of scoring with their third and fourth lines right now, but they targeted a lot of speedy, defensively oriented players that don't get scored on a lot. So it's a lot of low event hockey, which is how they've solved that issue because they brought in Lars Lars Eller. They brought in Nolachari. And so their bottom six group is pretty stout defensively. They still have that Crosby-Gensel line that absolutely cooks. Malkin line can be inconsistent. And then on the back end, the one thing I'm curious to watch for tonight is overall how Pittsburgh defends because that's one area where they sometimes get into trouble where they play too loose. They are skilled and they create a lot, but they also give up a ton of odd man breaks off the rush, which they've cleaned up recently, but they're susceptible to. And that sort of makes sense when you have a blue line with Chris Letang and Eric Carlson, plus Ryan Graves hasn't been the best offseason signing. So the biggest thing that I'm watching for in terms of this matchup against Pittsburgh is how leaky are they going to be defensively? Because if we see early season Pittsburgh, then the Canucks are going to feast. The lotto line is, is going to be unstoppable. But recently, they've found that traction. They're playing a lot better at 5-on-5. Five five. And if if the Canucks get that version of Pittsburgh, then th- this is going to be a, a close contest. Tyler Myers is licking his chops, hearing that the Penguins are susceptible to chances off the rush because Tyler Myers, oh my goodness, that rocket of a shot. I, I, I feel bad that I wasn't here to break down Tuesday's game, but I wanted to make sure that the Myers shot got a mention here. Pittsburgh 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. They've been waiting for the Canucks. Their last game was in Philadelphia, so short drive uh, where they beat the Flyers 4-1. to one. They've got wins against the Bruins. They've got wins against the Islanders. A se- that 7 nothing win at the Islanders' barn and then they play the islanders at home the next or two games after that i think it was uh i can't remember the final score of that game but they they did win that one as well and they have been playing very well of late you're right so i'm curious i'm curious what version you're gonna get it's like you said i like this matchup though like this is another good litmus test for this canucks team that just ran through new york right and i made the title for you guys on yesterday's show took down all of gary bettman's favorite teams Batman must have just been clutching at his pearls watching that. Uh, but hey, that's like a lot of fans around the NHL watching these wagon Canucks just mow down and move through the entire league here. Um, I want to ask you this, Harm. Um, 
actually it's not so much a question more as a observation money puck had the canucks as the best odds to win the stanley cup you saw that right i i saw a couple days ago when they were second best are they best now they were best yes 11.6 was what they were at 11.6 percent at winning the winning the cup yeah i don't buy that i i'll be honest i've never really used money puck i tend to lean on the uh the athletics model so and and they've got vancouver i mean they've got the canucks quite right rightly now their odds to win the division have skyrocketed the clear clear favorite right now for that um but when you get to the cup they've got them at four percent odds which it's not nothing, but it's a lot more tempered than what did you say it was eleven point six? Yeah, yeah. You're, so I, you're I think I'm buying. Go on. You're forgetting the you're forgetting the golden rule about analytics, though, and that's that the best analytic is the one that backs my argument. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. That's also literally what some old school NHL GMs do <laughs> still. Uh, so. Look, I can't. Uh, you're right. I can't argue against that um, impressive logic. <laughs> okay. Um, did you have anything else you want to get to on Van versus Pittsburgh? Because this is a nut. This next segment here is one I'm very, very excited to get to. No, I, I think I think we want to move on here. All right, let's do it. Oh, before we do that, sorry, four wins. Did you do any ad reads yesterday? Sorry, what was that? You skipped out there. Did you do any ad reads yesterday? I did the anyone else one. Got a boy. I love it. I love it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'll do the four wins one right now. Because Vancouver is playing Pittsburgh tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think 
will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light light Logger at your local liquor store or some deliver to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. I was going to say Noah Juleson because I think I'm just going to ride with Juleson until he scores a goal, but he's not in the lineup tonight. So I'm going to say Ian Cole against the former team. I'm going to go Ian Cole. Okay. I was going to go Besser because I just expect the lower line to continue dominating, but that's a little bit, that's a little bit obvious or, or boring of a pick. So I'm going to go with another former Penguin, Sam Lafferty. Love it. I love this comment from Logan <laughs> Logan Van Dyke. 95% of the time, quads is right 100% of the time. And I was just, I was thinking about this. <laughs> Thank you, Logan. I was thinking about the fact that I've been right about a lot of stuff lately. I was just thinking back to like, it was week two in the season. It was one of these, and you, you, you're well aware of these, these premature takes that I just throw out there and just like see what happens. And I just get the vibe. It was like, they were, they were like, they had four wins on the season. And I was like, oh, this first round pick has to be in play at the deadline. And Faber was like, no, no, like, that's crazy. I'm like, no, this team's going to, this team's going to need to move the first round pick at the deadline. They need to add. And here we are. These are all the conversations that everybody's having. You heard it here first on Canucks Combo. So thank you, Logan. Thank you for pointing out that I'm uh, right 100% of the time, 95% of the time. So um, this was a segment that you and I kind of kicked around over text, Harmon. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who we like to see the Canucks add via trade. And when you and I were throwing out names, a lot of the time it came down to, okay, I like this guy stylistically for the Canucks. He would help them big time, but he's either probably not going to be available or it would cost a lot to get him. And I also want to throw this out there, though, that to some extent, everybody's available in the NHL, right? Like, like Philip Ronick. nobody knew about Philip Ronick last year until the trade came down. And of course, Detroit made him available, but nobody was expecting Detroit to make him available. So GMs have change of hearts. Like this stuff happens. So I want to look and I don't want to come at it with, oh, well, this person hasn't been in the news as somebody who might be available. And of course, there's going to be some names like that, that have been in rumors in the rumor mill as being available. But there's also going to be a couple names that just we look at and we say, yeah, this would be a really nice stylistic fit and it might help this team big time to go get this guy again. There's going to be two separate ones. We're going to do one player each, Harmon, where we take into consideration acquisition cost. And then there's one that's just, it's like the Christmas wish. We're just, it's like how I said Elias Lindholm at, in December, where I just said, I don't care what it costs. I'm hoping Santa puts it under the tree. Not that you have to give up anything for it. So I'm not going to say Lindholm either. Like, I'm not going to go with Elias Lindholm. Um, but do, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with our pie in the sky ones? Or do you want to start with Let's start with pie in the ones? sky. Okay. So... I texted you about Eric Sinek today. Is that who you have? I don't because even for pie in the sky, I just don't think the wild are going to move him at all. Do you know what pie in the sky means? Yeah, but it still has to be like, what, what are you going to say for your pick then Connor McDavid? Like, come on. It's, it's gotta be a player that could at least feasibly become available. And that's the thing because yeah, Eric Sinek is a stud two-way centerman he's a selkie type player that can also put up you know 30 goals uh, 60 plus points if you if you added that type of player to this to this Canucks roster it's not even a debate anymore I think in terms of whether they'd be a true contender or not but I just can't see why Minnesota would give him up because 
they're not in a rebuilding mode. Yeah, they've had an off year, but they're still looking to contend in the timeline that they have Kirill Kaprizov locked up. And Erickson Eck is, if he's not their, he's probably their second most important player behind Kaprizov. And in fact, Dean Evison, when he was fired at the end, at, at, during the middle of the season, did an interview with um, athletic colleague Michael Russo he called Erickson Eck their most important player ahead of Kaprizov. So there's just no way Minnesota dangles him. Okay, then I'll go with my second one. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, okay. So one of them was Erickson Eck for me. Like that was one of the pie yeah. in the sky ones. But obviously the other one, Elias Lindholm. I brought two. Elias Lindholm. I still, I still, I still am throwing it out there. And we're hearing Jake Gensel's name a lot. Uh, is Jake Gensel one of your names? Because if yes. not, we'll just quickly. Okay, then perfect. I'll leave. I'll I'll throw it to you then. Who your pie in the sky? Is it Jake Gensel? Yeah, it, it is, okay. and I'm sure we'll get to why why I actually don't think based off cost the Canucks should make a play for him. But if we're if we're forgetting what acquisition costs for a second here, he's the real deal. This is the best winger Sidney Crosby has ever played with. He's a player that has put up 40 goal seasons can play at a point per game pace. He has elite hockey sense, which means I'm so confident that he'd be the perfect fit next to Elias Pettersson, the exact type of player that would fit well, because look, some players, they have the scoring ability, but you wonder about the stylistic fit with certain players. That's not a question in my mind with Gensel at all, because you watch the Penguins play and the way him and Crosby play off of each other in the offensive zone, some of the passing plays that they can pull off is unreal. And it's not just Crosby driving the bus himself and Gensel's riding his coattails. No, legitimately, Gensel makes Crosby better too. Uh, which, for a fit next to Elias Pettersson, making him happy. You, you think Elias Pettersson, before the lotto line, got united was happy playing with Ilya McKayev and Sam Lafferty? You, you want to think about how happy he'd be to have a winger of Jake Gensel's caliber plus... The other aspect is Jake Gensel is a proven playoff performer. He's he's the type of player that beyond just the, oh, he's won a Stanley Cup thing, his playoff numbers are unreal. He's got 34 goals in 58 career playoff games. He had one one run where he put up 10 goals and 21 points in, in, uh, in, 12, in 12 games. The year they won the Cup, he had 13 goals in 25 games. Um, I mean, last, last time the Penguins in, or were in the playoffs, he had eight goals in seven games. Uh, he's he's a machine when the playoffs start. And you want to talk about a piece that puts you over the top? It's hard to find. He, let me put it this way. He's probably, the, if he moves, he's the best player that is going to get dealt at um, at the deadline, which I, I still don't know for certain if the Penguins are actually going to pull the trigger on moving him. But if they do, he's the best piece available at the deadline. Do you, you actually, like, I'm not even asking as a bit. Do you actually think he's higher than Elias Lindholm? Like, do you think I do. he goes for more? Yeah? Okay. Interesting. I, I don't know if he'd actually go for more. They'd probably be similar. I think the reason I I would put him over Lindholm, even though I love Lindholm and his two-way chops, is Lindholm's... I, I just don't know what type of player he is without elite talent. Because, yeah, he had the year where he was point per game, but that's when he was playing next to Goudreau and Kachuk and he was the clear third wheel on the best line in hockey and he's still like to me Lindholm is 
is for a contender, he's a perfect 2C, so don't get me wrong. He would have a similar type of impact. Um, and it would also sort of I, I can get the under get the argument that okay, you bring him in, then you could keep keep the lotto line together. So I mean I can be swayed. They're very, very close to me. But I just think Gensel's more of a sure thing in that he's he's performed at an elite level in the playoffs before. And I think that matters because this Canucks team doesn't have much playoff experience. And if you're looking to make a run, this is a point Frank Saravalli brought up uh, before too. This group doesn't really know what it's like to have to climb back from a 2-0 series deficit and to actually pull it off. Um, they haven't had to wrestle with the challenge of, okay, maybe you're up, maybe you're up 3-1 in a playoff series. You drop the next two games and now you got a game seven. Do you have the mental fortitude to close it out in a game seven? Uh, whereas Gensel has those things. He, he's the type of guy that in a big game six or, or in a, a big game seven would come through clutch. I love that. I love all that explanation you gave it. And again, again, another thing like Logan Van Dyke brought it up. He said, well, he's good because he plays with Sidney Crosby, but that's not necessarily true. Like we've seen Jake Gensel away from Sidney Crosby and he's performed fine um, in those minutes. And he'd also get to play with Pedersen here. Right. So that's yeah. another elite talent. Plus again, I'm telling you watching him play. It's not just a case of Gensel riding Crosby's coattails. Seriously, watching Crosby and Gensel play together is art. It's, it's you want to talk about the peak chemistry that, for instance, Pedersen and Kuzmenko had last season. That's what it would look like for Pedersen and Gensel all the time. That's that's how that's how high I am on Gensel. How smart he is, um, how well he meshes with the lead talent. As as the lighting in my room, what is, the hell is going the on? Is, with your camera? <laughs> it's not even the camera. You move that. Is uh is popping through at a weird angle and i see light flurries uh rj the youtube live chat said harm with the hot box <laughs> no getting smokier by the minute said jeremy lee and it cleared up it cleared up thanks for opening a window harm we appreciate it i didn't it. touch um, anything so it might come back at like any second uh, I wanted to get this Jeff Patterson tweeted, and it's not in the work tape, Grady, so don't scramble. You're good. But this is what Jeff tweeted. Um, it it kind of got me thinking about this conversation that you and I are having right now, Harmon, about these targets and all that sort of stuff. Jeff tweeted out, so much focus on Lotto Line's exploits. They've needed the Lotto Line to come through. Kuzmenko, Suter, Mikheyev with two assists in three games together, and neither point came as a line. Suter set up Hoaglander at Madison Square Garden. Mikheyev assisted on the Heronic goal against the Islanders. Um, and, and the second line just hasn't really produced. So as much as the lotto line's been great, and we've talked about how that second line hasn't really gotten scored on and they haven't been awful by any means, they haven't produced much offense. So that's why this conversation about going out and getting a second line center um, is kind of a hot topic right now, or, a, or at least a top six forward, of course. Uh, as we know, the top six has been a bit of an issue this season, especially when you looked at prior to the lotto line being together. And we've talked about the matchups before. We're not going to get into all of that. Um, but I wanted to get to this idea from actually we'll save it. We'll save it for anyone else. But Shiv threw out the name Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, Anthony Sorelli would be great, too. Um, there's a lot of names out there. There's a lot of names out there, Harmon. And when I say out there, Tampa's I don't not going to move him, though. Yeah, exactly. Hold Parrot down, and which I don't think that's 
the mode they're in right now. No, I wonder. I and not to not to divert the conversation too much because I know we want a shorter episode today. But like, I wonder what they're going to do with Stamkos, man. Like, it feels like yeah. there's just this cone of silence around Steven Stamkos. And I mean, he's not even in the cone. Like, Steven Stamkos doesn't know what's going on. And I just, I feel for that guy. I like Steven Stamkos a lot. There you go, second line center. Boom, go get Steven Stamkos. He can't drive play five and five anymore. Fine. <laughs> um, here. Okay. Yes. Let's get to the ones that we said were realistic, Harm, because this one, yeah. I wrote down this one. <clears throat> he's kind of in this tier below, but he also might be a little too close to being pie in the sky. But this also might be the pie in Jim Rutherford's office right now. Uh, Frank Vetrano was a name that Rick Dollywall threw out today on Donnie and Dolly. Uh, he connected the Canucks to Vetrano. He said that he spoke with Vetrano's agent and uh, that the Canucks were in on Frank Vetrano two off-seasons ago, this summer of 2022, when he eventually signed a three-year deal with the Anaheim Ducks. He's got a cap hit of $3.65 million, maybe a little more realistic than the Gensel-Lindholm tier, but still a point-per-game player, having a fantastic season in Anaheim. Wouldn't be too, too hard to fit that cap hit in. And hey, like he'd be a, he'd be a nice addition to this team, I think. Again, like I said, probably in that tier lower. I'd still be shooting for Dreisaitl, Erickson, but... Um, <laughs> In all seriousness, like Frank Vetrano might be more a more realistic target. And then I also have Adam Henrique, another guy on the Ducks. I've thrown out his name before as somebody that I'd like to go see them get. Again, I'm not reporting this. I, I saw someone, one of the Twitter people threw this out, like, oh, Quad says the Canucks would like Adam Henrique. I'm like, yeah, no, I would like Adam Henrique. And I think the Canucks might as well. I'm not reporting anything, to be clear. Um, just two names that I kind of think about. Like, Dollywall had the report on Vetrano. Canucks haven't been connected to Henrique, but another name that, I'd say he's obviously in that tier below Vetrano, but Vetrano and Henrique, two guys that I think might be realistic for the Canucks to go get. Yeah, those are two of the players. Like those are two of the players that I was thinking of uh, as well. And before we get to Vetrano and Henrique, just because a lot of people have been talking about Jake Gensel today, because I believe it was Emily Kaplan of ESPN that had the report that the Penguins might be looking to uh, deal him at uh, the deadline. Let's address why it's a difficult fit for the Canucks, in my opinion, in terms of the acquisition cost. First of all, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get him. First round pick and top prospect, right? Especially given the number of teams that are looking for top six help. Like, you don't think the Edmonton Oilers are thinking, man, what could our team look like if we had Jake Gensel to this roster, given that Connor Brown wasn't the fit that we thought he was going to be in the top six. So let's bring Jake Gensel to play with Leon Dreisaitl. And given how how much this season and next means for them, like they're they're gonna be they'd be all in on a piece like Jake Gensel. So, I mean, it's it's probably the asking price is probably a first round pick and a top prospect, which, in my opinion, is too much for a rental. And then you get to the conversation of okay, but what if you look to extend Gensel? Nylander just signed for eleven and a half million. This is just me completely like ballpark, not really having done a close deep dive into it. But w- wouldn't that make around ten million dollars the asking price for Gensel on his next deal, given his track record of production? And I'm just going to pull it up here because Nylander before this season hadn't ever been like his pro- Nylander's production hadn't been way higher than Gensel before this season. Um, yeah, like Gensel scored 36 goals and 73 points last season. He, he's, he had 40 goals and 84 points and 
76 games the year before, 57 points in 56 games. So he's been in and around that, like producing at a 35 to 40 goal uh, pace while in and around the point per game mark, which you look at William Nylander before, before this season, that's roughly the territory that he'd been in as well. So what you're, you're, would you be confident paying Jake Gensel $10 million cap hit on a long-term deal? I don't know if I would. I, I I don't think that I'd be able to stomach that given what you're going to have to pay Elias Pedersen, given what you're going to have to pay Philip Ronick, uh, given how much you've already invested in, in JT Miller. I think then you enter territory of your team's too top heavy and how are you going to build uh, competent um, depth? So that's, that's why, even though I love Gensel a lot, I, I don't know if it's a realistic fit for the Canucks. Uh, for Vitrano, I just want to go back to him because you bring up a really good point with Gensel about the extension. And the more I kind of think about it, and I know I throw to Lindholm a lot, and Lindholm, Lindholm's going to get at least the Horvat, right? Like Bo Horvat's yeah. comparable for Elias Lindholm. So are you prepared to pay that? Probably not, for the same reason that you weren't prepared to pay that to Bo Horvat if you're the Canucks. And with Vitrano, I just look at that extra year as being something that. The Canucks might really, really like that. Again, 19 goals and 10 assists through 40 games this year. Those are solid numbers. Like I said, like he he was a point-per-game guy this season. Like I, I think he could be that guy if he's not playing on Anaheim, right? Like I, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that if he's playing on the Canucks, he puts up more points. I just wonder with that cap hit being for next year as well, like if that's something that is a little more enticing for the Canucks to go out and make him their target. I just, I wonder about him. I do. I really wonder about Toronto. It's a definite selling point. And I don't think you're looking at him. You know, you kind of have to temper the expectations of what he is because he's riding a sky high shooting percentage this year. Realistically, he's the type of player that you look at for 20 to 25 goals in a season, 40 ish points. Uh, def- definitely doesn't have much playmaking impact, but like a complimentary finisher. And what stands out about him is he also had, you know, one positive experience as a sort of rent uh, rental for uh, the Rangers where in their trip to the Eastern conference final, I think he had 13 points, in 20 games, which at least gives you evidence that, okay, he's made a mid season transition work before changing teams, uh, which I think matters because a lot of times you, make a big trade for somebody and they can't click right away. It takes some time to adjust uh, to a new system, to new teammates. And that's the only thing you'd have to be wary of is, you know, uh, you'd want to do deep dive into Vitrano's defensive games for checking. You want to make sure that, okay, you know, you can put the puck in the back of the net, but you also got to make sure that he's a fit for the way Rick Tockett wants to play. So that's the only thing you'd have to be cognizant of, but absolutely. I think the extra year of term is absolutely a huge uh, selling point and feature with uh, with somebody like Vitrano. I'm curious. I'm curious what they're going to end up doing. But yeah, those are those are my two guys. Like I, I, in terms of realistic cost, like I look at Vitrano. I just again, I will have the conversation in the months months leading up to the deadline um, about what it would cost because I really don't know right now, and I don't really know what I'd be okay parting ways with. I think you got to ask me this closer to the deadline. So I mean, we'll park that conversation. Of course, we will. Um, continue the conversation in the weeks to come. But for now, it's time to get to anyone else presented by 
DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, you can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada. Subject change. Terms, of course, do apply. I want to give a special shout out as we open anyone else to Jesse C., who in the YouTube live chat gave us a perfect four wins ad read for you to do Harmon. And I'll read it for you. Cause I don't know if you've seen it. You want to get dialed in and I'm sure you can guess how dialed in is spelled for Canucks game night. That won't harm your <laughs> bank account. Grab yourself a four win six pack today. That's not I bad. Just- I had to open anyone else with that. That is the best. I, I'm I'm sure Jesse C is one of the greatest contributors to this show. And it's a shame that we don't have Jesse on the payroll because my goodness, what we get there from Jesse in the YouTube live chat is phenomenal. I just, I had to throw that out there. I love it. Thank you, Jesse. Your contributions, especially that one are much <laughs> appreciated. Okay. Let's get into the rest here. Uh, Kai Howard. I'll throw this one to you, Harmon. Would Gensel be a comparable for a Horvat type package? I just don't see any world where the Canucks trade Lakaramaki or Willander for him. I could see a first plus roster type player and like a B level prospect. Before you answer that, Harmon, is Vasily Podkolzin a B level prospect? Like, what no. teams are in the league? What do the What do you consider Vasily Podkolzin? I consider him a. I don't think he has much trade value. I just don't. I think he's at the age right now where he's probably more valuable to the Canucks as as the as a lottery ticket to maybe he can develop into an NHL player than he is um, as a trade chip because he turns 23 in um, in June and he's got 18 points in 24 games in Abbotsford, which is good, but he's not lighting the league up. So. I don't think teams would be chomping at the bit thinking, oh man, Pod Cole's a ton of potential there. Okay, so answer the question from Kai then. Uh, Gensel, comparable to the Horvat type package? Perhaps. I, But I don't think it like a raw two-tet prospect would get it done, especially because this is the other thing to keep in mind from Pittsburgh's perspective. They can afford to ask for a ton because they're a team that can still decide to re to resign Gensel. And that's the other side of this, this reporting coming out is you hear a lot of people from Pittsburgh reacting to this report. And from Pittsburgh's perspective, trading Gensel would mean giving up on this season, even though, even though the Penguins still have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs. And the whole idea of the season, the whole idea of going out and getting Eric Carl- Carlson was to take one last kick at the can with this core group of guys. And Gensel, you're not doing anything in the playoffs without Jake Gensel. Not to mention, Gensel is Crosby's running mate. And how how would it make Crosby feel if you're trading away the best winger he's ever had without a replacement coming through the pipeline? And, and that's another thing that I've been wondering about because sometimes teams and agents will use the media as, and sort of negotiate through them. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying this is what's happening, but you, you at least have to consider it as a possibility where 
Jake Ensel's agent, Ben Hankinson, was on Sirius XM radio about a week and a half ago where he had those comments that went viral, essentially saying, this could get ugly. We don't know what Jake's future looks like. He may have done that intentionally because what's the reaction to that? The reaction to that is everybody's talking about the Gensel situation and now there's some level of pressure from the fans on, on Pittsburgh to sort of say, well, what are you guys doing with Gensel? Are you not going to resign him? I thought that was a plan all along, which is favorable for the agent. Now you have the report coming out today where, oh, the team might seriously be looking at shopping him. Well, what if the team is just leaking that to put pressure back on the player that, okay, if you keep asking for the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, we might actually deal you, which then from a player's perspective, you're like, oh, crap, if I actually like it here, I need to come down on my ask a little bit. Because keep in mind, whether it's a trade or an extension, one of them has to happen before the deadline. So that's the other side of it is it's not even a guarantee that Gensel is on the block. So Pittsburgh can't afford to be really picky about the package that they're looking for. Uh, and to me, I don't think, for instance, if you throw together a package with your first round pick this year and Aturatu, that that's going to be enough to, to land you Gensel. Interesting. So what you're saying is Crosby needs to come with Gensel. That's what I took from that. <laughs> there was not actually, the, in, again, no, I'm not going to start it, but I, I just wanted to point it out. It was just something that I read recently. Uh, your colleague at The Athletic, Josh, what's his last name? Yo Yohi. Yohi, okay. Um, he had that interview with Jim Rutherford, and Jim Rutherford just randomly threw out, yeah, I still think about Sidney Crosby all the time. Like, and in context, it sounds better than what I just said, but like I just found it to be an interesting <laughs> quote uh, from the Canucks president of Hockey Ops. And look, Jim Jim pointed out that he loves his life in Vancouver, loves the situation, obviously, with the team he's running. But uh, yeah, he just pointed out about Crosby and you know talked about how Crosby's just on another level. Nothing that none of us don't already know, but that's from somebody that's worked with Crosby for years. UFA in two years. We'll see. Stop it. Coming home. He, he's he's going to build home, a roster huh? with what? Crosby, Dry Saddle, who else did you throw out there? Lindo. Uh, Frank Matrano, Lindo. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, I, I play NHL 24. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But uh yeah, it's just an interesting quote. And I'm obviously joking about the uh Crosby's coming to Vancouver angle of it. But just an interesting quote uh from the Cooks president of hockey ops that I wanted to make sure I got in on anyone else. Okay, seven street dream. Any chance Claude Giroux is available? Sends are just so bad. And he may not be too expensive. Is Claude Giroux someone that you'd like to see the Canucks target? Well, the problem is, I think it was either last weekend. I think it was last weekend, maybe the weekend before that. Elliot Friedman was reporting that the Senators are looking to add quality veterans because they're worried about the young core pieces that they have getting too demoralized with all this losing. And so if anything, the Sens are looking maybe not at this deadline but going into the offseason they want to keep their vets and Claude Giroux is that type of player he's been productive there so I can't see Giroux moving from Ottawa all of the anyone else's are about trades which fair enough uh Anthony Duclair in San Jose expiring Duclair for a mid-round pick I mean, a mid-round pick, I think you have to do that. But what, what? I think the price might actually be higher for him. I think it might be a little higher. Duclair's interesting because I, I like him as a depth ad for somebody, but I don't know if that team is the Canucks because 
Duclair's speed and skill is going to be best served on a team that attacks a lot off the rush. So you, th- so you think about the Florida Panthers before Paul Mar- Maurice got hired. He was a perfect fit for the way they wanted to play. They were getting into track meets all the time. Duclair was so productive offensively, and he was the perf- perfect complementary skilled piece for that. Now, when Paul Maurice got uh, hired, the Panthers completely changed the way they played in terms of their system, heavy forechecking team. Um, they want they want to create offense down low off the forecheck, which is very similar to how Rick Tockett wants this Canucks team to generate offense. And Duclair wasn't as effective of a fit. They obviously deal him in the uh, deal him in the offseason in the San Jose. That's my concern is the fit aspect because the Canucks are not a team that creates a lot off the rush. And Duclair in the past has had issues in previous stops in terms of earning uh, the trust of various coaching staffs. When you go back to, I want to say his time in Ottawa, that was a potential issue. He's bounced around a lot before he got to Florida. Um, And then of course, San Jose most recently, and he's not good defensively. So I don't, I don't know if Tockett's going to love him as a fit, even though bank for buck, I think he's going to be a smart deadline acquisition for some team. One of those stops that Duclair made was with Rick Tockett in Arizona. It was Rick Tockett's first season with the Arizona Coyotes, and Duclair was dealt out to the Chicago Blackhawks at the deadline. And again, I'm not saying I know that Rick Tockett doesn't like him. It's just something that you notice when you bring up a guy like Anthony Duclair and you go look at it. Uh, that's just something that you notice is that Rick Tockett's already had him. Um, okay, do we have anything else? Grady, you said you had one from Twitter. Do you want to bring this one up? Oh, here we go. From Disto. Disto's great on Twitter. Is Brustevich the prospect that gets thrown in? Is his value enough to entice other teams? I wonder about a guy who's just... And again, I don't want to say this in a bad way because I really like Hunter Brustevich. Big, big Lego guy. I really like Hunter Brustevich. But I just wonder how much stock a guy putting up the points that he is in the OHL on like a wagon Kitchener Rangers team, right? Like they're like the Canucks of the OHL. Um, Brustevich putting up a ton of points on that team. I wonder how much stock that has for NHL GMs who just a few months ago let this guy fall to the third round, right? Like I, I just, I wonder about something like that. And that's just kind of what I had explained to me by, um, just someone that works in the game that I was talking to about just different trade values and stuff. He just kind of mentioned that when you take into consideration a guy who was just drafted and is playing lights out in his draft plus one year, teams aren't very likely to look at that and say, whoa, we really missed. We got to go trade for this guy. Teams are a lot more likely to go back and look at what their scout said about that player and what made that guy fall to the third round. They're more likely to still believe that it takes years for teams to kind of shed their preconceived beliefs about a player like this. So that's a great question from Rustevich. And I probably should have brought up that conversation I had with um, this person who works in the game that I talked to about four months ago about this, but it was just something that kind of crossed my mind when you bring up that comment about Rustevich. Yeah. Although his value is still unquestionably a lot higher considering he's having this unreal season. Again, it just sort of comes down to, like for what? Like what are you giving him up for? Because if it's a player with term that is a solid fit for this team uh, for multiple seasons, then I like that. And that's the other thing is like to me, I just I'm going to stress this a lot ahead of the deadline. So I hope it don't sound like a broken record, but I don't like the idea of paying high prices um, 
Now, look, if Brustevich is the only piece that would go for a quality rental, fine. But if you're talking about like packaging him with another high pick and it's for a rental, I'm just not a fan of rentals as a whole because look at Boston. They loaded up President's President's Trophy, best regular season of all time. They go out and they get Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, They also pay a separate first round pick for Dimitri Orlov and both rentals actually work out, right? Bertuzzi leads the Bruins with, Five, led the Bruins with with five goals and 10 points in seven playoff games in round one. Orlov had eight assists in seven games. Still got knocked out in round one. The Rangers went out and paid a first-round pick for Tarasenko and Mikola, made a separate trade for Patrick Kane. Again, that's a team that was also coming off the heels of the year before having gotten to the Eastern Conference Final. They got knocked out in round one. Uh, there's just so many examples of that. So... To me, again, I wouldn't be opposed to Brusevich if it's for the right player with term remaining, but I, I, I don't like rent. I don't like ex- the first tier class of, of rental. Second tier, if you're talking about maybe an Adam Henrique, again, I've got time for that. So anything can happen in the playoffs. Harmon Dial. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. I love it, Harm. I love it. It's good stuff. And I'm sure we will bring it up many more times, but we'll close out anyone else here and before we get to betway before we wrap up today's show i just quickly wanted to offer our condolences on behalf of me Harmon, grady and lachlan uh, to the family of robin brownlee who's a co-worker of ours at the nation network um over at oilers nation robin brownlee passed away this morning he was a very very valued member um of the oilers nation team uh jason greger wrote an article about him it's over right now at oilersnation.com you can go read it uh, rest in peace, Robin. We will very much so. We will very much so miss you. Uh, very, very valued member of the Oilers Nation crew uh, and a legend in Edmonton. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we uh, offered our condolences to the family of Robin Brownlee. Uh, let's get to, and there's no good way to transition out of any of those, I know, but let's get to our Betway bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Grady, pull it up. I'm going back to the well. That's right. Connects are underdogs. I brought it up. Uh, the Penguins have been playing well of late, but if you trust your wagon Canucks to keep the wagon rolling through the Metro division, then go throw $10 on it because $10 right now at plus 110 odds returns you $21 over at Betway. 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 Must be 90 plus play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. All right. We'll close it out there uh, for my co-host Harmon Dial and our technical producer Grady Sass and our intern Lachlan Irvin. My name is David Cugelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.